Greetings and salutations, sports fans. Welcome back to another episode of At The Half with your girl, Jackie Ray, right here on 950 Lounge and CBTV Radio. It's been a crazy week. We have a lot to talk about. The coronavirus is trying to tell the NFL to stand down. We had the vice presidential debate. Um, the Lakers could close this out and take it all home tomorrow night or maybe they already have, depending on when you listen to this. We've got all that and more to talk about right now. Once again, thank you to my friends at 950 Lounge and CBTV Radio. Make sure you follow me on all things social media at Fanatic. I understand that some of y'all can't see me right now because you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, or any of the platforms I just mentioned. But I am literally grinning ear to ear right now. It's been a crazy, insane week. So we just have to tackle this. Let's go into it. I got my little handy dandy notebook here (laughs) because look, when it comes to this presidential um, election, I am all in. I am all about fact checking. I haven't had a chance to fact check the whole thing because hopefully you guys got a chance to see me on the Mike and Donnie show on Wednesday. So that was pretty busy for me, but uh, I have had a busy week, but I had to stop what I was doing before I got on the Mike and Donnie show and take some notes on this vice presidential uh, debate, if you could call it that. Uh, I've seen some people say that uh, Pence won it, but you know who really won? Let's just take a minute and tell the truth about it. Fly. The fly. Because you know what we know, what's a scientific fact, flies like shit, probably specifically bullshit. And this fly made his appearance in the president, vice presidential debate. I thought it was beautiful. I'm, look, I'm, I'm sad that y'all can't see me because I'm, I literally would love you to see some of the notes that I have on the things that I had to fact check Pence on and the things that I had to check, fact check Kamala Harris on. I am going to say this off top. If you didn't see the debate, um, you should go back and watch it because it was actually a debate. Um, I think Pence definitely tried to manipulate the time. He definitely talked over it. The moderator did not do a good job of making him stand down when it was his time to stand down. Um, Kamala Harris, one of the reasons why my list is probably much smaller of things I have to fact check her on is because she didn't divulge a lot. She was just ready to assassinate the lies that Pence told. Um, So depending on where you're at politically, if you wanted to hear more from her, I will say the one thing that made me perk up because I was listening to it and just taking notes and I did have it kind of in the background. I wasn't paying like full attention to it. I was just listening for the lies. Um, But one of the things that uh, Kamala Harris did say that she, she said that If Joe Biden does win, that public universities will be free for people who make under $125,000 a year. I think that is an amazing thing. I think that's a beautiful thing. I think these private institutions are just, it's just a ripoff sometimes. But I I did just want to kind of quickly talk about some of the things that Pence flat out lied about. He was very good at playing. He sounded like... I don't know if you guys remember, if you're old enough to remember, and they still might be coming out, to be honest. I just don't really watch TV anymore. Um, So there used to be these commercials about, you know, save a child, and it's the flies, ironically, because Pence got a fly in his head, but it's the flies that would just, like, perfectly land on a 
starving kids eye <laughs> you know the kid wouldn't even know that the eye that the fly was there and then some some santa claus looking white guy would come in and say for only a dollar a day you can help that's kind of the the tonality that i heard in, in pence it was very odd it was very odd but i do want to just address a few things that i liked or disliked about both um i for pence though i felt like he really did have to battle an uphill battle and i i the the, the main one of that being that you're the head of this covid 19 task force and there's a covid outbreak in the White House, when Kamala asked him specifically about that, or I, I'm sorry, the moderator asked him specifically about that, like, hey, you're the head of this task force and you had an a, event that we can really call ground zero for this breakout in the White House and you didn't have anybody wearing masks, nobody was doing social distancing. How can I, how can we as the American people trust you and what your campaign is doing as far as this COVID-19 virus? And his answer was very telling to me because basically what he said was, um, he did, he did not want to force the American people to make into decisions. He wanted people to make their own decisions for themselves. And that's what we basically saw as the American people. We saw that Trump and the administration were making decisions for themselves as to how they wanted to handle this virus. On the surface, I like that response because regardless of what rules you'll set down, people generally if if everyone set followed every rule that was created we wouldn't need prisons we wouldn't need a justice system we, you know things of that nature cops don't even follow rules so you know obviously just because the rules are laid down doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to follow them so on the surface i like what he's saying like we really want people to govern themselves like what do they think is best for themselves i have fallen into that category i very much am not i am over sitting in the house. For those of you who don't know, if it's your first time here, first of all, welcome. Make sure you go follow me on social media, Jerry the Fanatic. Second of all, um, I was one of those people that went into lockdown. The, when Rudy Gobert tested positive, we at the Fumble, um, if you guys aren't watching the Fumble, make sure you check that out every single weekday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, but we were still doing our live show in studio when Rudy Gobert was, you know, kind of shut down the NBA. So the country went into lockdown on the 11th. We went into lockdown, I believe it was the 13th. I would have to look at the, a calendar, but I feel like that was that Friday. It might not have been Friday the 13th, but we literally went into lockdown, whatever that Friday was after the following the Rudy Gobert incident. So it might have even been less than that because it was only like two days, whatever. It was a couple of days after that. So once we went into lockdown, it became this thing, like for those of you who are watching me on YouTube, you know, I, I have this whole setup in my, in my house, I have a live workspace. So I have, you know, a whole studio set up here. So it was easy for me to go from being in studio to being at home in the studio because I literally have a studio on my house. Um, and then I didn't leave. It was Instacart. I didn't order food because I was afraid, I, you know, I don't want to use fear, but yeah, I just didn't. First of all, if you've worked in the food industry for any length of time, you know it's not the most sanitary of things. So now you add the virus on top of it. I just didn't feel like it was a safe thing. So I was ordering food. 
And I literally stayed in the house from March. I think the first time I went out of the house. So second week of March, I went into lockdown. I didn't come out of the house until maybe end of April. So it's literally a month and a half that I was on, I was on lockdown because I was just like, oh, hell no, you ain't getting me caught up. And it drove me insane. Nick Hamilton, if you haven't seen our show, which is called The Opposite Reaction, we still had a podcast. So he did come over once a week, but he was literally the only human contact that I had for a month and a half. And it drove me insane. It got to the point where whether I needed groceries or not, I was going to the grocery store every single Friday. I was going to Target every single Saturday just to get myself out of the house. Started taking five mile walks. I did that for several weeks, um, but I was, it was still by myself. There wasn't that many people out at that time. So it was very much a you know mind trip. So I have gotten back into, I've gotten out of because I did, you know, I was, I was in a relationship at that time. So we got out and we did a lot of things. We, you know, went to brunches that were outside, things of that nature. Um, not doing that anymore. Y'all can take that how you want, but, um, it, it was a thing, you know, because you just don't feel good inside. So I appreciate what Pence is saying, like, Hey, do what's best for you because this quarantine thing, this virus thing is weird as hell. Do what's best for you. But that's where I end because do what's best for you has to be within the confines of people, you know, and people you trust damn near too many of y'all in the cabinet got, have tested positive for the coronavirus. And it doesn't lend us confidence because if you're the guy that's supposed to be in control of this, you should know better. The CDC has, has wavered in whether or not it's airborne or not. And then just, I think on Wednesday they came out and said, oh, you know, it might not be airborne unless you're, of course, you're within six feet of a person. How ironic, how ironic that you're changing that. So there's a lot of things within that situation that aren't quite right. He also said, that they mobilized. They did not. It took weeks for them to mobilize with regard to the, to the coronavirus. They testing was limited for the longest time. Ventilators were limited for the longest time. So they, they, he, he, he twisted the words and it wasn't true, but Kamala, let me tell you, she handled that whole thing like a straight boss. And if you guys are new here, you know that I am not a Kamala Harris fan. Kamala Harris, to me, she's, she's black when it's convenient because depending on who's asking her is when she's black. She's black when it's convenient. She's not always black. Some of the choices that she's made are, are suspect. She's been very hard on black people specifically, and she has gone on record to say she would never institute policies that specifically benefit black people, that, which, is, which is a slap in the face to me from a black woman because there are literally unspoken and in some cases, especially in the South, spoken things on the book that are specifically against black people. So when you say you're not going to move in a way that is specifically for black people, you're basically saying to me, you don't give a shit. You don't care that there are these things that are designed against us. You just want to placate to white people. So I am not a Kamala Harris fan by any stretch of the imagination, but sometimes you just got to understand that this heifer went out there and she did the damn thing. Um, there was times when, uh, 
Pence over talked her and she let him. She graciously let him over talk, which I thought I've heard some political analysts say that that was not the best thing. I'm going to have to disagree because Mike Pence talked himself into a hole and he told lies that we all know. She called him out point blank about his taxes. Mike Pence was like, oh, no, that's not necessarily true. Kamala was like, he's he's what? Some godly man. Was it 400 million or four? I don't know. I think it was like 400 million dollars in debt. 45 is. And she brought up an excellent point. She said, the reason why it's important to know who that he's in debt is because you need to know who's greasing those wheels because he's got to get out of debt. He's only paid 700 something dollars in taxes, but he's this far in debt. That's crazy. So Mike Pence really had this moment in time where he could have said, okay, yes, he's in debt because of this, this, that, and the third, he's compensating for that debt this way. He did not do that. He danced around it. And then finally, when he was asked specifically about racism, when I tell you the ancestors descended from heaven to let us know this man was full of shit, because here came the fly. Like I'm going to land on his head and I'm while he's moving his head and talking, I'm just going to lay here. And for those of y'all who don't know I'm a fly, I'm going to wiggle my wings. I'm just going to wiggle my wings and let y'all all know this is bullshit. That's what I felt like the fly was doing. Y'all know I don't usually cuss on here, but look, I felt like not only Kamala Harris, because she when she had a point, she would talk to him directly, and then she would look right at the camera and talk to us. If you are 26 and under and you have a pre-existing pre condition, he is coming for you. If you have a pre-existing condition, period, he's coming for you. She was very matter-of-fact in what she did. I don't think there's a win in us, win in this situation for us as black people. I think we lose regardless who wins. But in this specific situation, um, I did think that Kamala handled herself amazingly. She presented herself very likable. There was times where he told flat out lies and she just laughed. There was a time where he, he said, um, you know, I don't allow you to, I'm not going to, you said something about truth, but I'm not going to allow you to spin your own truth. And she said, that, that was a good line. And she smiled and she giggled it off. And he used that line like two more times. The man was backpedaling the whole time because she, in boxing terms, she had him on the ropes. Um, she definitely hands down won this. A lot of people said it was boring. Um, I think that's because they were kind of used to the real housewives cluster. You know what that happened with the fake debate that we saw earlier. But I'm going to give both of these candidates cre credit because they both handled it well. There was a moment where um, Pence told Kamala that he had respect for her. And there was a moment in time where she said the same to him. I think they were very respectful of one another. Um, I think they both danced around certain issues. But I think Kamala was on defense. But all in all, I have to give a shout out to both of these candidates because they got up there and they did exactly what our mothers told us. Don't get out here and embarrass me. Don't act complete childlike fool and so yes this would have been a really good presidential debate um one of the things i think both of these guys are up against is i think uh biden is definitely showing signs of dementia and uh trump is batshit crazy so there's just no ways around that and so if you're one of those people that says you know hey if something happens to these presidents while whoever wins we're going to get the vice president. I think that they both presented themselves as sane. It's a, it's a, it's a strong possibility that 
Pence is not as racist as I think. That's a lie. Let me let me not tell that lie. He's racist as hell because I just couldn't hang out with a racist if I, in fact, wasn't racist. But he didn't get up there and act a straight fool like his counterpart. So I just want to shout both of these individuals out. But I just want to say, Kamala Harris, I still don't like you. I still don't think that the black folks should really, really look at you as like, oh, my God, we're going to get another black person in office because you ain't it, sis. But you got up there and you handled your damn self. You did very, very well. So I just want to applaud you. Um, but when we come back, we're going to talk about the NFL speaking of co coronavirus, because what was the plan? Did they have a plan? We'll talk about that and more coming up after the break. Once again, it's your girl, Jackie Ray. This is At The Half on 950 Lounge and CBTV Radio. I'll be right back. America, land of the free. It's at the core of who we are. Freedom. The freedom to live without fear. To drive through all 50 states. To sleep safely in our own beds. The freedom to jog where we please. To watch birds in the park. To wear a hoodie. The freedom to breathe. Before we celebrate the freedom most Americans have, we must fight for the freedom all Americans deserve. Because no matter your religion, gender, disability, age, race, all lives can't matter until black lives matter. All right, we are back once again here on 950 Lounge and CBTV Radio. We present At The Half with your girl, Jackie Ray. If you haven't done so already, make sure you venture over to Instagram and follow me at jraythefanatic. You'll find the link to my YouTube page where you can see all kinds of content, including me just going on some rants about whatever. And also you can see clips from uh, the opposite reaction with myself and Nick Hamilton that comes on every single Thursday as well. So we got two podcasts on Thursday, so make sure you check us out. Now, look, let's get into this NFL because regardless of who your team is, you have to be overwhelmingly concerned about what we're seeing in the NFL right now. First and foremost, um, Cam Newton, that situation was kind of odd, right? So initially, Cam Newton wasn't placed like they didn't come out and say oh he tested positive for the coronavirus they said that he was on the COVID-19 injured reserve list so pe people and players <laughs> who who don't necessarily have the virus but came in contact with somebody who did would be placed on the injured reserve list so that's what happened to Cam we later find out that he did have the virus um so now you kind of fast forward and we see that um, Stefan Gilmore, now he doesn't play this whole game because they, they flew separately. So the, um, the Patriots flew separately. Cam flew, Cam and anyone who was exposed to him flew on one plane and the rest of the team flew on another. And then we carried on as business as usual. But um, Stefan Gilmore, after the game, he was hanging out with Patrick Mahomes. They actually seemed to be having a really good conversation. And then they even at one point hugged. Then all of a sudden, a conversation arises like, what should we do? Um, because does Stefan have it? Um, I believe actually now Stefan did test positive. I have to go back and double check that. But 
here's my problem with, with this whole situation. Um, the NFL did not really have a plan as to what it was going to do if and when. And I think that's the one thing that we've seen with this virus. It's not a matter of if there's a breakout, it's a matter of when. So the NFL really didn't have a plan as far as I'm concerned as to what they were going to do when this happened. Their plan was to institute protocols and say, hey, as a team, these are the protocols you need to follow, including um, coaches need to wear masks. Um, We've seen Gruden has been fined somewhere, I think, north of $300,000 now because he's refusing to do so. Um, But that was really it. And then, of course, we want to extend the practice squad so you can call people up from the practice squad. They don't have to go through waivers and things like that. But that's not a real plan. That's just saying hey, we know that there's a likelihood that somebody might get it. We want to make sure that teams have, I don't know, players in place so then that if they do get it, they're not just out here flying in the wind because they have to go through all these uh, these things to get players uh, back into the game. That's really all they did. They didn't do, because what I had said is they needed to have four stadiums throughout the country um, one being here in LA because that's a that's a billion dollar in uh, stadium. It's beautiful, by the way. Um, so SoFi Stadium, um, Jerry's World, we're going to be the automatic too. I thought Las Vegas Stadium, although now that I've seen it um, live on on it during a game, I'm not I'm not sure that that. You're, you don't really need the glitz and glamour, but I feel like if you're going to quarantine in a, in a stadium, you know, those need to be the ones. Uh, and obviously, now I'm a Saints fan, so that's a bias, but I did think the Mercedes Superdome needed to be one of them as well, and then one of, one other wherever. And then you needed to, to run a traveling bubble. Those needed to be the only four stadiums that anybody played at, and you needed to figure out how to do that. That might mean that we are on a every other day schedule similar to the NBA in that, okay, there's going to be a morning game, night game, morning game, night, at all four st- stadiums every other day because you, you would need to get that to get all of them in. Um, and then once, once you're in that specific city, you're going to immediately quarantine and you're going you're gonna to stay in that hotel. But you're literally not going to see your friends, family, you're not going to see anyone but coaching staff, the hotel, and these stadiums for the duration of the season. The NFL didn't like that. They didn't, they didn't think that that was possible because teams had to travel. But if there's one thing the NBA has taught us, no, you don't have to travel. And I get it because especially in the NFL, probably more so than the N- NBA, fans are a factor. Whether is a factor. If you come from LA, if you're the LA Rams and all of a sudden, which I don't think they have to play this year, I'd have to double check. But just for an example, if they play the Giants in the middle of winter, that's a thing. And there's nuances to each stadium that makes, you know, like if you're going to Seattle, we all know how loud it is in there. If you're going to the Superdome, we know how loud it is in there. So there are nuances to that. However, we're not talking about the nuances right now. We're talking about keeping staff, coaches, and players safe. And I just don't think that the NFL did that. And now we're in a situation because all of a sudden now your $500 million man, Patrick Mahomes, was exposed to somebody that that could have exposed him 
to the virus. And I don't think it's fair to all of a sudden start thinking, oh, you know, Patrick Mahomes might have it. So now we need to we need to rethink things. They're also talking about instituting harsh penalties on the Tennessee Titans because the Tennessee Titans have 22 players and team personnel that have tested positive for the coronavirus, including two new cases on Wednesday. So this isn't going anywhere. Um, Meanwhile, the facility remained closed, and they've gone more than two days in a row without a new positive test, but that's still 22 people that tested positive. Um, And as you know, Tennessee was forced to move its week four game with the Steelers to week seven because of this. But now they're going in and they're saying they're considering handing out punishments to the Tennessee Titans. On what grounds? On what grounds? Because what you're basically saying is, hey, these guys probably didn't follow protocols outside of the ones that we've already implemented that they need to do when it comes to safety and practices, safeties during the game. How, How safe are these guys really in the game, though? And that's the thing that really bothered me about the Stefan and Patrick Mahomes situation. Because now they're saying, oh, you know, they, they embraced. There's, I don't know if you guys know this. Guys in the NFL, and this is a known fact, look it up. I'm not making it up. They, if they have to go to the bathroom during the game, they don't run to the, to the locker room to go to the bathroom. Tell me the last time you've seen somebody run to the locker room in the middle of the game that wasn't hurt. doesn't happen. You know why? Because they pee on themselves. They literally pee on themselves if they have to go to the bathroom during the game. We know that. It's a full contact sport. So how are we upset about a hug, but we're not upset about people playing the game? How are we so mad at Gruden for not wearing his mask during the game, but we have guys interacting the whole time? There's a certain amount of it doesn't make sense, which, shade note, doesn't surprise me when you consider how many owners in the NFL have 45 on speed dial and he is completely moronic when it comes to the severity of this virus. Doesn't surprise me that there's not a real plan in place. But I don't know how you backtrack it now. One of the things they're saying is, hey, let's just go ahead and play 12 games this season. We'll go ahead and we'll quarantine teams in the hotels for the remainder remainder of the season. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard for this reason. I think if you're that's what you're contemplating, you call the season. You don't you don't play. It's not worth it. You can't control it. You got 22 people on one team that got the virus, right? You got a guy hugging your $500 $500 million man over here. Cam got it. You got a Kansas City Chief fan running around with it. And now you got Florida talking about, "Hey, we going to open up the stadium at full capacity. This is out of control. <laughs> I don't know if the NFL wants to admit it, but this is out of control. You don't go to a 12-game season because what you already did is you had modified training camps where people couldn't really get in the swing of things during training camp. It canceled preseason. That would also give them an opportunity to get into the swing of things. And now we've seen a plethora of injuries because of that. The Denver Broncos have something like north of $50 million in injuries sitting in the injury reserve right now. They're literally paying more for people to sit out because there, there just wasn't enough time to really get in shape. So if you're, you don't go to a 12-game season because by the time we hit week eight, 
normally in a regular season, if you ain't got it together by week eight, you could probably just call the season because you're halfway through. But with the exception of like what the Seahawks are undefeated, there's a couple other teams that are undefeated. Um, but for the rest of the people, I mean, look at the NFC East. Anybody could win that division. Um, I think the Packers are undefeated as well. But for the most part, teams are going to be ramping up. It's going to be a slow ramp up. And the slow ramp up makes sense given the fact that the training camps were odd and weird and, and there was no preseason. So by the time you hit week eight, week nine, teams should be in full swing. Now we're going to start getting some more competitive games. Now we're not going to see some of this weirdness that we've been seeing. But if And now they have a little bit of time. Now they have eight seven to eight more games to really knock this out. But now if we're talking about week eight, week nine, and you tell them they only have four, like that doesn't make sense. It's unfair. That's an asterisk. Now I've said it before that I didn't think the NBA bubble was going to have an asterisk, but that is an asterisk for, because now these teams that are for whatever reason, and I get it, applaud them for doing it. But since they're doing well, it's just not a fair system. So I think you either call it or you play out the season but the NFL has a problem. So I'm going to go back to what I originally said. You need to go to like four stadiums and you need to, to bubble it out in those four stadiums. That should be the only places you're traveling. But comment, uh, send me an email, DM me on Instagram. Go ahead and check us out on the Fumble Live every single day. And let me know what you think because I really want to know your thoughts on this because I don't see a solid plan for the NFL. And because I don't see a solid plan for them, I don't know how they resolve this issue. I think this will be either an ongoing, like even if they play 12 games, it's going to be an issue for the 12 games because they don't have a plan in place. Let me know what your plan would be if you were in charge. We're going to take one more break um, and we're going to finish this one out. When we finish this one out, we're going to talk about obviously the Lakers, LeBron James. Also have to give a really special shout out to the ladies in the WNBA. We got a little another surprise for you on the next segment as well, so make sure you stay with us. Once again, I'm Jackie Ray. This is At The Half on CBTV Radio and 950 Lounge. We'll be right back. We always hear about an athlete's humble beginnings. How they emerge from poverty or tragedy to beat the odds. They're supposed to be the stories of determination that capture the American dream. They're supposed to be stories that let you know these people are special. But you know what would be really special? There were no more humble beginnings. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to At The Half with your girl, Jackie Ray, right here on CBTV Lounge and 950 Radio. I have a question. Before we get into the amazing feat that hopefully will happen as you're listening to this podcast and LeBron getting another ring, would you take a vaccine? I just want to really quick shout out Kamala Harris. I'm actually going to give her a nice little cheers. You can hear a cheers to you on uh, the opposite reaction with the Cavalton. But 
would you take the vaccine? This is the first time, and Lord, again, I hate to really kind of give Kamala this credit, but this is the first time that a politician has any said anything that makes sense to me with regards to the coronavirus, especially when it comes to a vaccine. I have said time and time again that under no circumstances would I personally take a vaccine regarding the coronavirus. Um, I would not take a job that required me to take a vaccine regarding the coronavirus. I would not take the vaccine unless I knew for sure that a medical professional that I personally know was administering the vaccine to politicians, specifically white politicians, first. Like before any of us in the public get it, they need to get it first. Um, that's just me. Y'all can take that and do with it what you want. But let me tell you, <laughs> I have said it several times. Kamala Harris is black, depending on who she's talking to, what agenda she's trying to get through, what vote she's trying to get. She had a black ass moment in this debate. Uh, the moderator asked her specifically, she said, Hey, would you take a vaccine if it becomes available in the near future? And Kamala had that, like, you know, that moment where that kind of was like, huh? that I don't know, Raggy. But, and then she said, if it's from like Dr. Fauci and like medical personnel and scientists that I trust, that I know, and that I confirm that I've believe their knowledge in the situation, I absolutely would take it. But if Trump tells me to take it, I'm absolutely not going to take it. I must have jumped out of my seat and said, all right, girl, I'm going to ride with you. I mean, I don't really have a choice because unfortunately we have a two-party system. We're all screwed either way, but uh, I'm going to ride with you. I'm, I'm definitely, because that's exactly what I've been saying. There's no way in hell that I would take a vaccine from this recent, racist, recent, <laughs> he's a rampant racist tyrant. I would never, ever take anything. I wouldn't drink a glass of water that that man handed to me. I would not. I just want to give her a little shout out, a little toast to you on that one. I also want to know what you guys think. If a vaccine comes out before the inauguration, because even no matter what happens in November, we still have the inauguration, which happens in what, January, I think, something like that. So if a vaccine comes out before then, with all that we know about 45, would you take it? If you would, why? Why would you trust it? Let me know that. DM me, follow me on Jerry the Fanatic on Instagram and Twitter. Let me know. Um, but now I want to get into some of the most important things ever. LeBron James has a chance to do something that is very much unprecedented. Um, I think you guys all know who Skip Bayless is. Sometimes I wish he didn't, though. Sometimes I feel like the older he gets, the worse he gets. But I guess that's all of us. But nonetheless, he said that he feels like this championship, if LeBron gets it, isn't worth much. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. Um, now for those of us who dwell in the kingdom, that is LeBron James. We know that that first win that he got for Cleveland, he's even said it like that's when he realized he was the greatest player on the planet because he literally brought something to that city, that state that hadn't happened in 50 years. I would argue. In fact, I have argued on every single platform that I've been on that this 
win. This ring is going to mean more than that. Before you drag me, let me explain. So this is very, this is a very tumultuous situation. We have before we, first of all, the pandemic, the, the pandemic and the uncertainty that comes with that is crazy. Not knowing how to move within that, how you're even going to pull this off. Cause you know, for the longest time we, every, with every week that passed by, I think all of us, especially in the world of sports journalism, we all said, there's not going to be a season. There's not going to be a season. I was very anti not having a season because LeBron's not getting any younger, right? I get that 35 year old LeBron is very similar, if not better than 25 year old LeBron, but he's still 35 year old LeBron. You know what I mean? And our time is running out to get these rings. So I definitely was a fan of going ahead and getting back to play for very selfish reasons. I get that. That's why I'm not mad at these, the NFL or the WNBA, the NBA for wanting to play because I know it's for selfish reasons. In their case, it's monetary. In my case, it's the ring. But <laughs> it's, it was still a very rocky terrain to navigate around because in the midst of that, we had Ahmaud Arbery, we and then we had George Floyd, and then we had Breonna Taylor, and it was like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, enough is enough. And then the NBA specifically, also the WNBA, shouts out to them, but they've always led the way as far as trying to move the needle for, needle for social change and things of, of that nature. But now you have megastars like... Kyrie, as much as I can't stand him, Kyrie, Giannis, LeBron James, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler, in my opinion, had one of the best ideas in that he didn't want to wear any name on his jersey. Now, you know they're letting you have phrases like say her name or how many more or vote and things like that on your jerseys. Jimmy Butler was like, I don't want to have anything on mine because I don't want to make it seem like I'm better than the people that have been victimized. And I thought that was dope. The NBA didn't go for it. They made him do that. But you had all these athletes, these prominent athletes that were, they had time. They literally had time. So they were moving on, you know, this social train. And before all of this happens, before COVID hits now, which is weird because we now know because of some amazing journalists that actually are out there trying to put, these politicians feet to fire. And I applaud you for all of you investigative journalists that are out there and you're keeping, you're doing your best to keep these politicians honest. I applaud you because it is definitely an uphill battle because we, we, what we know now that we didn't know then is on January 28th, 45 and his administration knew exactly what was going to happen. They knew the virus was coming and they didn't tell us. Perhaps if they did, we, would, we wouldn't have this situation. Perhaps if they did, we could have implemented things immediately that made the NBA continue as normal, made the NFL continue as normal, but they didn't tell us. So two days before 45 finds out that this pandemic is coming, Kobe Bryant passes on January 26th. The, the first game after Kobe Bryant passed, the Lakers lost. I had said then that I didn't think they should play that game because I was still crying. <laughs> So I couldn't imagine how they must have felt. So now we have fast forward to the Rudy Gobert situation. And now we're in this we don't know situation. So now you got players out here on the front lines of this social movement. And then all of a sudden the talks start coming. Like we're going back. We're going back. We're going to this bubble in Florida. Crazy. But we're going to this bubble in Florida. So now you have people like Kyrie. Um... And a few other players that are like, 
Kyrie did that phone call that says, hey, no, we don't want to go back into the bubble. Um, you had a couple other players, um, Avery Bradley, a couple other players that decided not to go into the bubble, some for health reasons, some for social movement reasons. They go back into the bubble. Brianna Taylor's killers are found basically like they didn't do anything wrong except for shoot the walls of the neighboring. So the athletes have to react to that. We saw Paul George be very open about the fact that he had mental issues in the bubble because he felt like it was a prison. Um, Donnie said something on the Mike and Donnie show that I definitely think is worth mentioning that we should really stop saying that the bubble is like prison because prison is prison. <laughs> There's no, you can FaceTime with your friends. There's no pool. There's no, let's make all these accommodations to make this as nice for them as possible. Prison is prison. He's absolutely right about that. However, I do think um, for those of us who've never been to prison, when all of a sudden you're isolated in a situation where you can't come and go as you please, there's no one there. You're seeing the same people day in and day out. It can start to feel like prison. We've heard several people talk about it. LeBron James, I don't know if you guys follow him on Instagram and Twitter, but he is, I, I've been having a hard time sleeping as of late and I've been up and I've been seeing him tweet. And for me, it's like, like one o'clock in the morning. So it's like three, four o'clock in the morning for him. So the bubble puts its own level of stress on these players. Then you, then you talk about there's, like I said before, there's no, there's no advantage. There's no home court advantage. You're playing every other day, which it's its own strain on the body. And now when you're talking about the Lakers, now you have the legacy of Kobe Bryant on your back because all these players have been saying since Kobe Bryant passed was they're doing it for Kobe. They're doing it for Kobe. They're doing it for Kobe. The Lakers are undefeated in the Black Mamba jerseys. They're undefeated, which is what they're going to be wearing tonight, which is Thursday. So I, I plan on closing the series out tonight. Probably need to go buy me some wine because I don't think I have any in here. Do I have some wine over there? Okay, I do. I should be okay. <laughs> but I think this is going to mean more to his legacy because there's so much that he's had to overcome mentally, physically, um, losing, losing Kobe, what this means for this city of Los Angeles. Maybe you don't really know that if you're not here, but when you, when you talk about the protests and things of that nature, first of all, whatever y'all saw on TV, let me just tell y'all nine times out of 10, well, maybe eight times out of 10, any violence that you saw was initiated by white folks or police. It was not us. That's number one. Number two, any graffiti or Things that I, that of that nature that happened, none of that happened to Kobe and Gigi murals. None of that happened to those murals. None of that happened to Nipsey Hussle murals. Those murals were untouched by any sort of vandalism. And I think that just goes to show what those two individuals, specifically in this case, Kobe, means to this city. There is still an air of sadness every time you drive by the Staples Center, every time you are downtown. He's everywhere. You just feel him everywhere. And to be in this situation and then kind of bring that onto you as well, I think in my personal opinion, and obviously LeBron will have to confirm this, but I think this ring is going to mean slightly more, and, and they're very close, but slightly more than getting that ring for Cleveland that first time. Because this is honoring the legacy. This is playing through social unrest. This is playing through a pandemic. 
and coming out on the other side of it extremely successful at 35. There are so many things that are unprecedented, so many things people like Michael Jordan never had to overcome. I think we got to give all praise to King James and AD and the rest of the Lakers, especially Rajon. He's out there doing the damn thing. Rajon, to me, just one more sidebar before we go. Rajon, to me, I've not been a huge fan of, but I've become a fan because one of my things is scoring is not the only way that you can be valuable on the court. We have seen several games where Rajon Rondo has only scored two points, four points, you wouldn't know it by watching the game because he's facilitating, he's vocal, he's, he's assisting, he's getting boards, he's drawing fouls, he's doing the damn thing. He is such an asset to the Lakers. AD's an asset. KCP's an asset. Like, what, what LeBron has helped cultivate here in L.A. is a beautiful thing. I, I, think, this, I think this ring means a little more. I'm going to wait for him to confirm or deny that, but you guys let me know your thoughts. Oh my goodness, we're running out of time. So we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know if you think that this uh, this championship is everything. And on top of that, let me know what you think is next. Because let's not forget, AD's contract is up at the end of this season. Does he stay or does he go? I think he definitely stays. Let me know your thoughts. Once again, this is Jackie Ray right here on CBTV Lounge 950 Radio. Venture on over to Instagram and Twitter. Follow me at JRayTheFanatic. And every single weekday morning, make sure you head on over to YouTube and check me out on the Fumble Live at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. You guys, be safe. I don't care what 45 tells you. Don't go to no desert and think that the heat's going to save you. Don't run out here drinking bleach. Don't do none of that because it didn't work for him. In fact, he had to spend $100,000 when he's out here talking about, oh, don't let it beat you because I beat it. $100,000 and experimental treatment that only 10 people outside of clinical trials have been able to take 13 doctors. That's what it took for ha- to have this man come out and say he feels better than he felt 20 years ago. 20 doctors, steroid, I'm sorry, 13 doctors, steroids, $100,000 and an experimental drug. Y'all better not believe that, man. He's going to get y'all killed. But y'all be safe out there. Wear a mask. I will see you next time right here on At The Half. I'll see you next time.